Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Fuck yeah, Megan. What are we going to talk about today? We are so excited. I love running. I love being outside. I have this passion that I just can't control sometimes. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, man. I love running so much. I did it for 28 hours. It was awesome. Yay. Did you have fun? Um, sometimes. Did you, did you suffer? I might have suffered a little bit. Maybe. You didn't. You didn't suffer. You it did was, not suffer. It was all voluntary suffering. Yeah. So therefore, it's not suffering. Mm. Voluntary suffering is like a contradiction, like military intelligence or something like that. Nope. Doesn't exist. It does, Meg. It might be a paradox in your world, but it exists. Yeah, suffering. Listen, we've had yeah. we've had people review our podcast and agree with me. So. Oh, nobody um, agrees. Nobody agrees with you. Everybody does. Nobody agrees with you. If if there's suffering that implies that it's there because you didn't choose it, Ex- there's when there's acceptance involved, it's grit or commitment. By the way, this is my wife's least favorite conversation that we have on a regular basis. Oh, sorry, Carrie. Yeah. She's like, just shut the fuck up, both of you. <laughs> Tell her it's all zebras and rainbows, babe. So. Yeah. So, yeah. I, um, I just... so, we're, so, so, in all seriousness, you did another 100. So, how many 100s have you done so far? This is eight, I think, 100s or greater. Okay. And you did the grindstone run 100. Um, where were you? Who was with you? Give us the details. Dude, so I was uh, grindstone 100. It's in Virginia, in the Shenandoah area of Virginia, uh, along the uh, Virginia, West Virginia border there. Um, we ran from essentially outside of Stanton, spelt Staunton, S-T-A-U-T-O-N, but it said Stanton, should anyone care. Um, I was corrected multiple times by people. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, yeah, I think you'd, it's almost like, um, you know, Massachusetts, like, like, like you know, Worcester or Worcester, you know, Amherst or Peabody. Yeah. There's a number of, yeah, number of so, those towns. Yeah. So same thing. Um, anyways, it's a pretty mountainous hundred miler, a lot of, a lot of runnable, um, trail for for being a mountainous hundred miler uh combination of technical single track that would then cut into jeep trail that would then cut into runnable single track that would cut back into uh technical just bouncing back and forth um good race the race director clark zealand was awesome 
put together a good race, good, good race. That's always, that's always good to know because a lot of times races are good, but, but the race director can not be the best. Um, I mean, I have some, some races that I've done that I will publicly chastise the race director because, you know, some really bad stuff happened or dangerous stuff or not. But like when there's a good race director, I think it's really important to point them out um, and repeat doing their races because I don't think a lot of, I, I mean, I don't think you get into being a race director for the money. <laughs> you know, it's, you you have to love this and you have to be truly committed. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's a legit badass too. Like he's Bad. not, he's, he's not just a, um, one that like talks the talk. He like, mm-hmm. he like he yeah. walks the walk too. So he was, um, awesome. They do the volunteers at all the aid stations were really good. Pretty, pretty common, uh, aid station fair, but consistent across the board. Uh, there was no, like, there's nothing like wild, like, like in Vermont where they have like some, some wild aid stations where it's like a diner theme or whatever, like Margaritaville <laughs> where you can get like a margarita, um, all pretty common, uh, substantial aid station fair, quesadillas, grilled cheese, uh, PB and J soup. So obviously, um, I mean, you and I don't drink, right. And right. I've never, I stopped drinking way before my ultra running career. I think, no, no, maybe it was about the same time, but anyway, I just can't imagine drinking during, during an endurance run. Like, cause you know how your body just gets so funny, um, yeah, Dude, I, I just, so, I mean, people do it all the time, obviously, but for sure. So there was, well, I mean, the way I drank, I just wouldn't, I would just stop and I would just, right. That's what I mean. I guess that's my point. Like, I, yeah, I would just stay at the aid station and never take off. Like, oh, another We're DNF done. in the books, but I'm shit faced. Uh, but yeah, so, <laughs> so no, there's, so fucking, I'm going to rewind. I don't know if I told okay, the yeah, story. Sorry. I, um, I make you digress. No, no, no. But I'm going to tell a story about about drinking during a race. So I did Georgia death race 2018, I think, um, before Sean Blanton's fucking chaos that he created. And that's a whole, we could have a whole mm-hmm. podcast podcast on that. Um, but anyways, I think we will at some point in time. We, we that's, that's in the books talking to awesome race directors and Shitty talking about, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, which is a shame. Cause I, I, whatever it doesn't matter anyways um and i was running with like hayden hawks and levi hawks at one point with this other guy uh and his pacer because levi was running he was having like a really bad day and his brother hayden who's a legit fucking stud um right like western states legit stud uh was pacing him so we're all like kind of talking and stuff like that and then uh and we get and pull into this aid station. There's like nips of fireball. And one of the guys, not Levi or Hayden, because I'm pretty sure they don't drink at all. Has to, I think they're Mormon. Um, grabs two shot, two nips of fireball, drinks one, throws another one in his pack and takes off. I never saw him again. It was like, it like re-energized him. And he like took off down the road and I never saw him again. Fast forward to this year, huh. not 100. I was working the Camp 10 Bear Aid Station, and we're laying out the drop bags early in the morning. Someone's got a Ziploc bag, and it has, like, three shots, three nips in it. Like, I don't one was, like, Jaeger. I don't know what the other two were. One might have been Fireball, one might have been something else. And I was, like, 
I was like, fuck. And I, so I was telling that story about Georgia death race to, to my buddy, Jesse, who was helping lay out the bags and set up the eighth station. And sure as shit, fucking someone comes running through as the eighth station goes on, picks up his drop bag and grabs his stuff. And I was like, I was like, Oh, we were just talking about that drop bag that had all the nips in it. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, and I was telling, I was like, there was a kid that freaking Georgia death race that I ran with for a while that like grabbed like two shots of fireball out of the aid station at like with the AJW was like running and then took off and I never saw him again. He goes, yeah, that was me. And I was like, I was like, Oh shit, what a small little world it is. But yeah. So apparently for some people it does work magic. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It works, I, it works so much magic that it's in his drop bags now. If, if I were were to drink at an aid station, again, I'm with you. Initially, we probably would never leave, but then I would trip or I would I would hurt myself. I mean, yeah. I just can't. But again, um, maybe he's just having enough just to depress the pain. Because remember, alcohol is a depressant. So I'm trying yep. to think from a physio- physiological standpoint. So it's a depressant. So maybe it's enough to suppress the discomfort that's going on and physically and emotionally just enough to bam, you know, yeah. just give him that. And as long as it was within like the last I don't know what, 10 miles, something like, I mean, you know, towards the end, you know, not enough to make you drunk, but just enough to um, give you a little kick in the butt, I suppose. I don't know. Right. Like a a nip probably has like 60 calories and it's like just taking a gel. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that uh, those calories work the same way, but. (laughs) Calories in, calories out. Yeah. I guess you and I will never know. We'll have to, we'll have to speculate, but. Anyway, so so finish with your story. Yeah, so good aid stations, good volunteers. Um, everyone was awesome. Medical staff was really good. There was one guy that apparently, I'm, I'm guessing he has a foot fetish um, because he really wanted to fix everyone's feet at one aid sounds station. Like, that sounds like you. I know. That's you. It was, it, but like, I don't typically walk around and go, is there something wrong with your foot? Or do you want to do, do you Do you need me to help? You do. You totally do. And you've I mean, argued with me. You've argued with me because you wanted to. I had a blood blister under my toe or under my toenail. And remember, you wanted to you wanted to put a pin into my toenail so it would pop. I'm like, it's fine. It's, and you you yelled at me for like three days about yeah, Come on, Megan, just let me do it. Or no, it was the pin in the string. That's what you wanted to do, right? Well, it, de- well, it depends on what it is. But like <laughs> so. Yeah, I think you have that foot fetish. But anyways, so that was that. Um, They had a (laughs) pre-race lunch, and they had a post-race celebratory breakfast, which was really effing good. I don't know if it was Mm. because I had run 100 miles, but it was pretty bananas. Warm food always tastes awesome. After, after, after a race, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, assuming it's not a hot day. Um, I think we were, we were, I think when I was running ghost train, um, it was really hot and somebody, one of the aid station workers was giving me a, was giving me popsicles every time I went through and I got one and I was so hot. And she actually said, she goes, what color do you want? And I was like, Oh, I get to choose. And she, and she said, yeah, she said, what color do you want? I said, red. So she gave me a red one. And I actually told her I loved her. I said, I love you. Thank you. 
<laughs> just ran away. Sucking my, that's how happy I was just to have the, a popsicle. Sim- and I don't even like popsicles. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't even eat popsicles in real life. So no, yeah. on a hot day, there was, there was popsicles out on the course. I was mm-hmm. like, I got, I forget what aid station it was. It might've been lookout mountain. They're like, I, we have freeze pops. I was like, I will totally take a freeze pop. That was right. Yeah. And again, I would never eat that. I don't eat, I don't eat popsicles in real life. I don't like them, but um, yeah, it's different. So, but yeah, uh, the post-race breakfast was awesome. Um, it's all put on by like the local Boy Scout troop and the actual, the camp that starts oh, that's cool. is, is, is a Boy Scout camp. So what about, um, when I had texted you, I asked you how you were feeling, if you had any injuries. And I think you said nothing to cry about, but you were kind of sore and banged up. Did you get, did you get hurt at all or just normal hundred mile wear and tear? Yeah, pretty much normal. I mean, I rolled my ankle pretty early on, but nothing, nothing significant that like it was anything. It might've been like legitimately, it might've been a little black and blue, but it could have just been my like ankles were a little black and blue from running a hundred yeah. miles. Right. Like, yeah. Um, a little bit of swelling and stuff like that, especially cause we drove, we mm-hmm. drove home Sunday. We did some mm-hmm. walking around in Stanton before we drove home, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah, pretty much it's like a seven hour drive home. Mm-hmm. We, um, we borrowed, we borrowed Jesse's Jeep. It's ridiculous. He has. Yeah. You'll have to, so, okay. I've seen pictures of this, but why don't you tell everybody what Jesse has done with his Jeep? This thing is well. He bought it this way. It's the most. Oh, he did. Oh, I didn't yeah, know he bought so it. He that bought way. it. He, I thought he did it. He rents it out if anyone's looking for it. Yeah. Um, so give everybody the details, and we'll give. Uh, and, if, and if ever anyone's interested in renting out Jesse's Jeep, just just uh, DM either of us. But yeah, yeah describe it. Um, it's a it's a Jeep, Jeep Rubicon. Oh, no, it's Rubicon. Rubicon. So it's four. Okay. It's front and back seats plus trunk. Um, he has a hard top on it because he has an awning that comes off of it that wraps uh, 270 degrees around the Jeep. And it's got a fold out tent on top, a soft top tent that is a king size mattress all built into it. Um, the Jeep is lifted. It has to be, has to be like a five inch lift i'm not i don't know the exact specifics of the lift size but it rides on 37s so the thing is literally like getting up into it is work almost (laughs) um it's got a wench on the front uh it's got full full full-size tire in the back it's fully off-road capable it's rubicon like rubicon ready it's got like detachable sway bars so how do you how do you the the hard top is strong enough that you can that you can sleep on it. Yeah, most wow. honestly, most like the Tacoma roof is strong enough that you can sleep. Most cars roofs are strong enough because they have um, they have to have essentially roll cages in them almost. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Right. Okay. So yeah. so most of them are strong enough that you can sleep in it. Okay. Um, so the the Jeep was ridiculous. Got a whopping nine and a half miles to the gallon on the way down. <laughs> Oh my God. The the Jeep is so high off the ground that when I was driving behind people with just his normal headlights on, they thought it was high beams because it's like yes. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they would they would like flash me and I'm like, dude, it's just just regular lights. And I'd put my high beams on and then they'd be like, ah. <laughs> How's that again, Sean? Ah. 
and what you can't see is that I'm like waving my hands in front of my face, like covering my eyes. Even the, you know, I kind of figure that the sound was was just enough to convey the message. So, so yeah. So yeah, so that was awesome, <laughs> and we set it up, and it became our base camp right off the bat, yeah. like because we had uh, two different members. So my me and my buddy Matt came down to run the race together, and uh, he had a buddy of his come down from Boston and he drove, he didn't want to drive with us. So he drove down separately in his Tacoma. And then I had a buddy that I was friends with or that I'm friends with that still lives in Virginia. So he came across from Virginia beach, um, over to crew for the race. And then Matt flew a pacer in Saturday morning, um, halfway through the race to like, catch him and he actually got him for the last 35 miles that Matt's Matt's scenario for his race and pacer is the most stressful thing in the entire world to me. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, my pacer flew in to Virginia to Richmond on Friday morning and my crew person who was coming across from Virginia beach, picked him up in Richmond on the way out West. Um, so that all worked out swimmingly on my end um so i actually had one of my athletes come out and pace me um and that was that was that was interesting that's a a, a different dynamic yes it, um, it it is yeah he was yeah. he was he was fucking awesome though so legit legit was was great like and i'm not i'm not super picky about like pacing i just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, okay. I kind of crewing and pacing are different, Megan. Um, but my, um, my, but anyways, so he was like, do you want me in front behind? And I was like, I was like, ah, I don't know in front. Maybe we'll see like how things shake out. And I'm like, just be aware that there's like a possibility that you'll be like, I'll, we'll be hiking. You'll be like, do you want to run? And I will tell you to go fuck off. Like there's that legit possibility. There's a legit possibility that I'll grunt and grumble and like start running. Um, you might tell me to eat and I might tell you to fuck off and there might be like a grunt and grumble and I'll eat like it just. Well, that's kind of how, I mean, that's kind of how pacing works. I always think mm -hmm. of it like, um, it's, it's like taking care of a sick child, right? Like a, right. a sick, like, like petulant child is the yeah. way. I mean, we're all like that. So as much as I make fun of you, um, I, I got to admit, I'm the same way. It's just funny. Oh, I know you are, Megan. But, <laughs> I am not. I was just saying that to make you feel better. Just but, so you know. I was just trying to yeah. just trying to smooth it over because I had a little dig in there. Um, yep. Because I've never seen that side of you, right? Anyways, <laughs> I, I continue to digress. Um, so, yeah. Wait a minute. Well, are we talking about real life or pacing? Because I think you've seen that. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, um so, but he's never, he's never paced anyone before. So. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So. Oh, like, that's always, that's always interesting. When you have somebody that's new to pacing, they're so attentive and they're so like, what do you need? What can I help? You know, they're super. They're, yeah. They were and my, my crew, my crew. So Eric was my pacer and Robert was my crew. Um, and Robert's crewed for me for a few events. He crewed for me for several, like he crewed for me for death race for one of my world's toughest mutters for my first hundred and hasn't like crewed for me since then. Um, cause he's not, he's not, that's not his, like he's not in the ultra world. He's just a good dude. That's like real selfless. Like, and like, um, so 
his like priorities, like, look at my priorities, you like whatever else, like then my priority beyond that is like Eric. And then my priority beyond that is like Matt and whatever his team needs. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, but like yeah. priority one, priority two, priority three, like, and, um, well, so. I think you and I are the same and that we, we need organization. Um, I need organization because when you start running, things get chaotic. I mean, not really, but maybe it just feels that way. So I just need to know, like, you know, where things are laid out. I need to know where things are. We can't be looking through bins for stuff. Um, you know, it's like you always have a plan, but then the plan, you know, the plan legit is going to change, oh, but you have oh, to just be able I'll to adapt. I'll tell you about how that happened. So um, you fucking you fucking tell me how that happened, Chuck. I fucking will, tell me. Fucking tell me now. So okay. <laughs> so Robert's super good. I try to give my crew and pacers like very. People say like I I give very specific instructions directions. I as you I, as you should though. I I think you should. I, you do. I think I think to make their life as easy as possible. Yeah. Since yeah, I'm doing, with you there. They're yeah. doing me a favor. Um, I try and I'll make, that. I'll make fun of you for it, but I would do the same thing, but it's um, still funny. But anyways, so swimming, like all that, all that's great. Robert's like, awesome. Um, all, I had my drop bags all squared away. There's three drop bags. There's uh, one at like 22, one at 35, one at 50. Then it becomes like 60 something. And then like. 70 or 80 something almost right so like however however that works out like you those are where your drop bags are so race is a night start or evening start starts at um everything goes starts off on friday so pre-race meeting pre-race lunch everything starts friday you have about four or five hours to kill before the race starts after the pre-race meeting um and check-in and all that stuff you recheck in Race goes off, got about two hours of daylight um, before things start to get dark. We're come up the first climb, about 10 miles in, 12 miles in. That's when things start to get dark. It's a long climb. Up essentially our gravel uh, power line road. Uh, It acts as a fire tower. You get to the fire tower, you have to essentially touch the fire tower and then come back down. Normally in past years, they've had hole punches, so you would punch your bib. They've gotten rid of that post-COVID, um, and it was on the honor system. Fine. So I started out talking to my coach. I was like, all right, I think I'm going to start out real conservative. I'm going to go and hang out with my buddy Matt for the first 10 miles or so. And so... We start to run, you start to run around a lake and then it's an immediate bottleneck about like three quarters of a, maybe three quarters of a mile in where you have to kind of come off of a levee around the lake. And then there's a drainage ditch and everyone's like hop rocking, rock hopping to like mm-hmm. keep their feet dry. Cause I mean, three quarters of a mile in the race, no one wants to get their feet wet. Right. And so everyone is like, so it's literally just complete stop. Like and we were far enough back that it was complete stop for probably for like five minutes. And, oh, then, that sucks. That sucks. and then it's, and then it's like single track where it's pretty tight single track and you're kind of just in the conga line going mm-hmm. pretty casually. Like I said, then you hit that first real climb and things kind of spread out and it's just work. How, how hard are you going to work that climb? And uh, we, we worked the climb pretty good for 
keeping it casual. And then you got up to the top where you had to touch the fire tower. And we're like, fuck it. Let's go up to the top of the fire tower and like, take a look. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, you don't have to go up there. You don't have to go up there. Just, just turn around. And we're like, we're like, we're like here. We're like never coming back here again. We're right. going up to the yeah. top of the fire tower, right? So we went up to the top of the fire tower, came back down. And then you run back down the hill and you turn left to go into the, essentially into the woods. And I don't know, Megan, we're 10 miles into the race. And we literally got stuck in a complete and total conga line that we're, we were walking along this ridge line going downhill. It was, Ooh. it was, it was a little technical, but it was like downhill walking and you're like, and you couldn't pass people. And there was no, cause it was like a drop on one side. Oh, and like, and okay. it was, it was, it was a back cut of like a, it was single track yeah. back and on a back cut. And it was like technical. That's enough frustrating. That pass anyone. Yeah. Um, and even if you could, you could pass maybe like one or two people, but this was like, like a conga line, 20 line deep. Like you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. couldn't see exactly the front. Um, and then it kind of spread out eventually a little bit and we could kind of get into flow and got into the, I guess that was the first aid station, I think, which is like, oh no, it's the second aid station. Um, which is like 15 miles deep. Um, and that was where like, I parted ways with Matt. So like mm-hmm. up, up the first big climb down the first big descent and then parted ways with him, took off up the next climb and then dropped down to the next aid station. Mm-hmm. And that's the first aid station crew can be at and you have a drop back. So I get there and now like, right. Like there's a million crew people there. Right. Cause it's the first aid station. It's 20, about 22 miles deep. Um, and the field's just not that spread out yet. So, so I find my crew, um, and I was like, I was like, all right. So, like, what do you need? And I'm like grabbing food and like kind of like like fill up my water bottles. And I'm like, all right, where's like, where's my drop bag? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, where's my drop bag? And they're like, oh, I didn't grab your drop bag. Let me go back and get your drop bag. Oof. And so, so they go grab my drop bag. My drop bag's not there, Megan. Ooh. So like we were spending like time looking. I've never. Right, like so, I literally pack a drop bag so I don't have to worry about crew not being there. I've never had it. The right, so was that like, was that? Did you was your crew in charge of the drop bag, or did you drop no, no, your I put, drop I bags? Put, I put my drop bag in the right pile. It. Well, yeah, because because the race does it. The race yeah. director. Yeah, yeah, the, so yeah. It's not your I, crew. That's. Yeah. I always I always double label my drop bags, right? Of so course, I yeah. put one I put one label on the front, and then I put yeah. one label on the um. Absolutely. Yeah. On the like minor backpack, like little little that's what backpack I do backpack ones. Yeah. And so yeah. I have one hanging off there, and the one on the front fell off, and I don't know how it got mixed from one pile to the next because they weren't close to each other. But it must was have there got, was there anything that you needed in there that all my, all my calories were in there, and then I oh, had could you I make had, it up at the aid station? And I had, well, so all my calories were in there and I had a light coat in there that I was going to throw in my pack because oh, it's not yeah. nighttime, right? Um, but it was pretty warm and humid. I'm good to the next aid station, right? So the next mm-hmm. aid station is 35 miles. So, so I'm like, I'm good for the next 17, seven, 13 miles, 14 miles. And I was like, where well, I'll have, well, I'll see mm-hmm. you guys again. Um, and if it's cold at that point, then I, I have a different coat that I can put on or a long sleeve right. or whatever. Um, and then I always have my crew bag. So I had 
mm-hmm. extra calories in my crew bag, but I had to like yeah. count them out and figure That's it out. That's what I was so, thinking. Yeah. So I had, I had stuff, but it's like when you're looking for that bag and you're like yeah, trying no, to square know, yeah. things away, it, it, it just killed time. Um, and that was kind of the way things started after that pretty normal up big mountain, down big mountain, up big mountain, down big mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the race is, is a great race. Like I said, a lot of runnable, a lot of some, a lot of technical combination of both. Nothing, nothing super crazy one way or another. Um, and then you come out after you make the last real big climb before the turnaround, it kind of just rolls. And then there's a lookout that you have to go out. It's one of the, one more of these, uh, out and backs that you have to do that you don't hit on the way back. So mm-hmm. this is like a road section that you run. I did up. see, I did see that on the course. I looked at the course. Yeah. It's weird. So you run up, you run yeah. up to the top and it's essentially, it's a parking lot, right. but it's like, look like it. Yeah. It's a 270 degree view. Uh-huh. Of like all the smokies and like the blues and it's, Oh, that's cool. It's yeah. Effing gorgeous. That, and I yeah. hit it right in the first, first light of morning um, so it was like all undercast where like things were mm-hmm. floating and I mean, in blue skies, it was, it was gorgeous. And then you kind of pound down to the turnaround and at 50, 51 and a half miles, you can pick up your pacer to run the last mm-hmm. 50 with you. So I picked up my pacer and he actually happened to be getting dropped off by, by Robert at that time. So you can't really have crew there, but just because it happened to like work out that he was dropping him off. So like I grabbed, I like. Gave him my, my other drop bag from that aid station. I was like, just take that with you just in case I need anything out of it. Grabbed my stuff, um, ate some food at the aid station and turned around. And immediately, like, I'm trucking back with Eric and I'm like, I really feel pretty awful right now. I'm like, <laughs> and it was just like, it was just like, I I felt great. Really, I felt great through through 50 miles. And then like, I and hit so Eric. that was about sunrise. Yeah. Or was it morning? I guess it, sunrise is always the worst time for me in races. I don't know why, but like, that's when I feel just the most tired. And I don't mean like physically, like, well, I mean, maybe it is physically, but actually just like, I feel sleepy and I feel sluggish. It's just, I don't know. Sunrise is tough for me. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it was like 50 plus miles in, but I was like, I was cracking jokes and, yeah, uh, I mean, and, uh, and he's like, if this is your low, he's like, you need to teach me how to do this. And I was like, it's just like, there's no point in like burdening you with like me feeling shitty. It's just, it's just going to be a little bit of a drag here for a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and so we kind of dragged it out and it like, it sucks because it's a super runnable section. It's really, really rolling flat. And I, I just, I just didn't have it in. Took a huge shit and it was awesome. That felt better. My stomach started (laughs) to feel better. Um, took a Zofran that made things a little better. Um, so Fran is uh, anti-nausea medicine, if anybody's wondering. Yeah. Um, and then I got to the aid station, got through that aid station. And then it's and like I'm pretty beat up because we've done at this point, we've done like 12,000 feet of climb and descent, if not more. Probably more. And it's a it's like a 20, 2500 foot descent over about about two and a half miles, mm. three miles. And it's, and it's not, it's sort of technical and it's just, it just, I was like, it was, I was dreading it. Cause I, I right So everything's out and back. So I've already climbed it. So I know what it looks like on the way back. Yeah. And I'm like, like I said, I'm at a low point and it's like work to get like this in and like to get this down. And I 
and I made like, so a couple mistakes made, right? Like I hadn't changed socks and now my feet, cause it's daylight out. Like they're starting to sweat a little bit and they're getting a little moist and they've, they've and, been moist anyways. And you're usually meticulous few. about your foot care. So that's yeah, unusual for you. Well, so I don't change socks too frequently. Um, because most of the time my feet don't get too, like I, the last races I've done have been in the desert. So feet don't get wet at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Even when they sweat, they like evaporate, but right. East coast, that's not the case. And it was dewy mm-hmm. morning. And so my feet got a little wet. Um, and I started to notice that I was getting hot spots on my heels, um, and get some hot spots on my toes. And I was a little concerned. And then I like forgot to put chafe bomb on from the start through Oof. through 70 well through through mm. through the point that i like realized that like i had not done it and i was i was starting to get like pretty pretty aggressively chafed and it made that down i knew that downhill was coming into a station which was good because i could correct that situation mm-hmm. but um but yeah it made made that last that section from essentially a little past the turnaround to to that aid station pretty pretty rough and then I, I lubed up at the aid station and it was really just my thighs. It wasn't anything else. Typically I don't, I don't chafe in my, my ass or my taint or any of that stuff. Um, unless it's Thanks like, for letting us know. Hey, I'm a, I'm a team player. I share. Um, <laughs> dude, I will, I will tell you that in, on rainy days, this is, this is way TMI, but I'm going to go over there anyways. Cause fuck it. Like people need to know, um, the head of my dick will chafe ridiculously bad. Like, I'm sure like, like, I'm sure all the male ultra runners are like shaking their head going, oh yeah, I mean, I, um, I just know that I've had you actually yell at me, yell at me, Megan, you have to lube your ass. And I'm like, I really don't like, I'm like, I'm okay. And you're like, Megan, just do it. I'm like, finally, I think I told you I did and I didn't just so you would stop me. But I, but I do, but I do at the beginning lube my ass. Like that like happens at the beginning. Um, but anyways. So, so I, I take care, take care of the issue. So I get down to the aid station and because I kind of like had like dealt with all this other, like been like nursing this stuff to get there. I take like a 30 minute time. Like I, I tape my feet, the, the, the hot spot that was forming on mm-hmm. my heel. Yeah. Um, I change socks, change shoes, even though I probably didn't, uh, I, I might as well, like if you're going to change your socks, you might as well change your shoes. Exactly. Um, yeah. If, if they're available to you, uh, like lubed up good and then like took off. The problem was I didn't take, I didn't take the, the, the glide stick with me. Um, and I should have, cause at that point I was, I was too chafed to go from, to go one complete, like, so fruit stop I through. keep, I keep mini lubes. So yeah. in my, in my like sample size, they're in my pack at all times. Dude, like for sure. Sh- for sure. They're normally in most of my, um, what about like, I also keep, my um, like a, like a, a lip balm and, and that's another one. So I mean, in a pinch, like yeah. if you were desperate, you know, that could, that could potentially work. Um, a lot of yeah. times I'll, I'll keep a small tube of aquaphor, same thing. Yeah. That's, but, that's um, yeah, same thing. I mean, but it, in this, yeah. but in this, I had super minimal cause of, of like where I was mm-hmm. in the race. Like I knew, I knew, and I knew what the weather was. And so my, uh, my literally, like I had a pen wrapped with tape and a razor to like cut the tape if need be. Like, so just minimal mm-hmm. weight that I had to carry. 
because uh, I was carrying I was carrying a fair amount of food between aid stations. Um, but so I forgot that. Then I come into the next crew aid station, which is the which is from that point forward, crew can go to all the aid stations to the finish. Whereas they had to, that was the first crew aid station um, on the way out because of the field, because of the access to the aid station points, right? So, but because the field's so spread out, it's easier. Um, and I start, and I, at this point, I've been leapfrogging with a couple different people. Um, and I start to like catch up to, some Connecticut runners that had been like, that had been running ahead of me. Um, Scott Slater, his wife, Sarah ran it. Um, and she, she crushed it. She did fucking awesome. Um, and this kid, Tyler, Tyler, uh, Tullock, mm-hmm. uh, also did, did awesome. Both Connecticut runners. And kind of like leapfrogging back and forth with them through eight stations. Um, and they're just a little bit ahead of me. And, uh, and so, so we we get in and I like last aid station and I'm like, and now now I'm feeling better like everything's kind of like settled down, I've like taken care of things, uh, I I have everything squared away and so like I'm climbing good, um, I'm descending as good as my quads will will tolerate, and we get through. We come up the last climb. And I start passing people like I'm, I've been passing people on the climbs. My climbs were were really pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, my descents were okay. I just, I just don't, I don't have young man legs anymore. Like I don't have, I don't have the bravado to like gun it downhill. Like I used to, um, I'm just a little more cautious. I think it's rough getting old. And so, <laughs> so anyways, but, we I'm, I'm like i'm still making making way down downhill pretty good um and i come into the last day station and i i'm like kind of flirting with 28 hours like plus or minus and trying to figure out how much distance i have left how much climb i have left and how much i have to run how fast um and this is like the calculation that's going really in to that last downhill into the aid station and then coming out of the aid station for the last like five and a half miles. And so, so I like, I kind of, I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say I bombed it downhill, but I ran it a lot harder downhill than I really wanted to. It like it, it was, it was really fucking painful to run as hard as I did down that hill into the aid station. Um, and then I got in and out of the aid station pretty quick and I ran the last five. I must've passed in the last five miles, in a very spread out field, I must have passed 10 people and I probably mm. passed four wow. or five people in the last mile. Um, and on Strava, that, that, that five mile segment probably only gets run in this race because it's just it's just a weird five mile segment, I'm sure, for that area. And it's like kind of bizarre and remote. But I have like the fourth fastest time on that segment. <laughs> like I was I, I was legit running really fast through that last segment. Um, well, that's when it counts. I mean, you can, you can, everybody looks good at the starting line, you know? Yeah. But I mean, but yeah, so, so that was, I ran, I ran like Eric's at one point. He's like, I was like, dude, I was like, he's like, if you run much faster, like I will not be able to keep up with you. And Eric's, Eric's a legit, like good runner. He's a fit runner. It's not like, it's not like you're like having someone come along. that's like, 
I'm like, well, I'm going to be pretty beat up because I'll be like 50 miles into a race. It was like someone that would be able to run with me on a healthy day. You know what I mean? When I'm like in a good spot. So, um, so, and then I finished, finished 28, 47 or something like that. Or 27, mm-hmm. 40, I'm sorry, 27, 47. Um, and, the, and it was like, I think it was like Connecticut runner, someone else, me, Connecticut runner, like someone else, someone else, Connecticut runner, like the Connecticut runners, like we're all kind of like right together. Um, one of them might've been a Massachusetts runner too. So it was, it was cool. Um, I had a pretty good day out there. Some mistakes were made slightly off my goal time, but not, not incredibly off. I, I had kind of reassessed after some of my training blocks, what I thought my goal time was going to be. And, and I was below where I, where I thought based upon that reassessment. Um, but probably not where I thought I could have been where I would have been had I not had like those few little mistakes, just, just like minor things that like add up to an hour, hour and a half. It's just like what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, perfect race. It would have been a, a 26 30 race. And that would have been like, well, that's, perfect. that's endurance running though. Stuff happens dude. For sure. in the woods. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, that's, what's different than road racing, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it was good. It was, it, like I said, post-race breakfast was awesome. An hour and a half. It's just like, what it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, perfect race. It would have been a, a 26 30 race. And that would have been like, well, that's, perfect. that's endurance running though. Stuff happens dude. For sure. in the woods. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, that's what's different than road racing, you know? <laughs> so, um, so it was good. It was, it, like I said, post-race breakfast was awesome. Uh, got done, hot shower, ho- hobbled back into my, my tent on top of a, a Jeep, which was really hard to get into. After oh, yeah, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily, Jesse told us, he's like, he's like, you're going to want to set that up before you get done because if you don't you're not ever setting it up and 100 percent true i would have just slept on the ground yeah <laughs> but slept up there and i mean slept good enough that that i could drive the next day for, for well, a while congratulations job well done thank you um another hundred miler on the books another another belt buckle yeah was, yeah um got the have you more have you worn it yet of course I have. So okay, I wear. I you had. So I'm, I don't know. I wear, I wear my, I wear a belt buckle all the time. I wear yes. my Virgil, my Virgil crest, which is the first hundred I did, um, almost all the time. I because I wear a belt and it's mm. it's the belt buckle that I wear. It's not it's not a freaking dinner plate. It's pretty low key. <laughs> um, and so so it's not like. It's not obnoxious. It's just, it's just, if you were to like notice it, you'd be like, oh, that's a little bigger than a normal belt buckle. Um, but I wear that all the time for my first hundred. Yeah. But a week after like a new hundred, if I get a belt buckle, I'll wear that, that belt yeah. buckle for a week and then put, put the other one back on. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. It was a good, good, good. day. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the key point of like, of it, was why it was a good day was because of like the training specificity that I had. Uh, <laughs> Megan's laughing because we're trying not to mess that word up. Um, yeah, in, in in when we are our pre-podcast meeting, if we can call it that, we were talking about training specificity, and neither of us could say it. 
<laughs> well, I think we both said it right. We just said that. But no, no, I did. I said straining trespicity. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. But I tend to talk fast, so it could have, you know. So, yeah. So well, I, do you feel, do you feel as though you were trained appropriately? Yeah. I, so, I think you were. I, I mean, I know what you've been doing. I think you were. Yeah, I did. Um, I did a lot of work with, um, with my coach. Um, and he, we, he's, my coach, like, a legit, he just, so my coach has finished Tour de Jantz. Um, mm -hmm. Legit badass mountain runners. Done UTMB twice. Um, I met him. I met him running the JFK 50. Um, and I think he was, I want to say he was running with like a partially torn hamstring. Because he's faster than I am. And I, I think I beat him that day. Um, but, but like when it comes to mountains, like I can't, I, I couldn't touch him. He, he's, a beast and so i was like all right like he's doing something and sees something and knows how to translate something that i don't into like training right yeah um and so i started working with him to see like to see like what we could what we could accomplish and it's i've had i mean Cocodona was a good race until it wasn't. Um, Havelina was kind of a garbage race for me. Um, Boston was a garbage race for me. Um, both, I mean, whatever, outstanding issues yeah. aside, right? Sometimes you have garbage races. It's kind of the nature of the sport. Um, and so I was like, I, I really wanted to to work with someone and get get back to like whatever was going to like make me specificity have a good yeah, yeah yeah i mean i think the the reason i've actually been struggling with this concept because training specificity see where i'm getting i'm getting good at it um the pro podcasters we are training specificity has always been really important to me i mean that's always how i've trained i mean yep. I, whether it was cross country track um you know middle distance, longer distance, it, I can't imagine not, not training specifically. And then it, I think since, since after the removal of, um, of the, um, X fixes that I had on my lower leg and foot, which I think was surgery number seven since the, since the crash, um, so in the crash was six years ago. I, I can't count the procedures, but I think seven surgeries. Um, Almost this, as many belt buckles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This after this surgery, like it, it I, I always have intentions. Like yeah, you know, I'm 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 letting myself recover. I'm doing my PT. I'm doing, and I watch my miles, and I'm very careful. I'm not going to overdo it. Right. Because I know my training right now is really rehab and I've really had to step back from what I would call like training. Imagine like air quotes around that. And it's a little bit frustrating because I'm so used to being specific. I'm so right. used to having goals like, OK, so I should be increasing my miles, you know, this many a week. I need to be on the trails this much. I want to be working on speed. I need to make sure my strength, my mobility blah, 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 blah. 
Um, right now I can't do that. Um, I'm, I do something every single day. I mean, I, and it just needs to be what my body needs. And, and that's hard for me to wrap my arms around. Um, I can't, and, and for those who know me know that this is not normal, but I don't have a, like a workout schedule. I can't right now because I wake up in the morning and I really don't know how I'm going to feel. So I have to wake up, get up and be like, you know, okay, today I'm going to get on the bike. Today I'm going to go for a hike. Today I'm going to run. Today's um, a yoga day. Today is a strength training day, whatever it is. But I really just need to feel my body at the moment. The other issue that I have is my work and life schedule now. Mo uh, during the week, most of my workouts need to be done in the like pre-dawn um, range. So I, again, I am not a morning person. Nothing about me is, is good in the morning. So I've had to take it very, very slowly. And just, just sort of wrapping my head around, well, I'm not training for anything. I am recovering. And I, I think it was just after this surgery that I wrap, that I wrap my arms around that. Um, all the, like after the bike crash, first, I was so focused on the fact that I survived because I, I, some days I don't know how I did. Um, and then once I got a handle on, oh, okay, I'm going to live through this. It was, am I going to walk again? Because I was told that I would never walk again unassisted. Um, and I was so determined to not only walk unassisted, but to be able to train and race. And I did, um, but little did I know I was doing it on a broken bone shard in my heel that was cutting through um, my Achilles. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to come to terms with where my body is now. And I have, you know, I bike, um, I hike, I run, I've been surfing a lot. Um, and, and strength training, of course. Oh, I do. And I, like I said, I do a lot of yoga, but I just have to do what my body needs that day. And I've never really done that before. I've, I've always, I've always had a plan. I've always been focused. And so my training specificity, maybe it's just, maybe I just have to think of it as rehab. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surviving anymore. Like I, I did that. I lived through it. Um, I know I'm going to walk unassisted because I'm clearly walking unassisted. Um, I know I can run. Uh, but I was told by, you know, my my surgeons, um, physical therapists, the doctors, you know, chiropractor, all the people that treat me after the ex-fixators, um, give your body a year. See where you are a year after removal of the ex-fix. And that's where you are. So my body is still in that transition. And I only got it taken off in April. So, so yeah, so it's, it's a little bit humbling not having a training plan per se. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'll just focus on having fun or something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it, I get that. Like it's, it's weird not having a training plan tailored to a specific goal. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also a little bit of freedom and release from that as long as you have maintained the self-discipline to stay active and healthy. Right. Like that's like, that's like right. the, the, the side of it that you need to do, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
for me, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I get like, I right. So I've, I've done the hundred, like I took a week off. Um, I got on the, I got on the bike and did some mountain biking this weekend. Um, ran, rode, rode uphill and downhill and around and hit some jump lines and oh, just like the fact that like I have the time to do that. Cause that like, is part right. Of the thing That's that, yeah, exactly. That I, I enjoy. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I can, I can do this. Cause I don't have to go out for a four hour run and then mm-hmm. try to do family stuff. And that this, that the other thing, or like throw like an hour of strength in there. I'm like, I can just go out and have like a two hour bike ride, casual right. bike ride with a dude. And I'll like hang out and, and, and shoot the, shoot the bull and do that. Well, and that's I, I think that it's not, I don't feel like I need discipline. I don't feel like I need, I mean, I think I was just, I think I was born with grit. We talked about that in, in, I don't know what podcast it was. I don't know, maybe three episodes in, four episodes in. I think I was just, I was born with grit. So I'm always struggling or just working to do something. But right now, if I focus on, am I enjoying it? Then I don't even have to think twice about doing it. Like, um, you know, like uh, hiking, hiking in the White Mountains. I absolutely can't wait where I'm going, actually going uh, on Friday with uh, Sarah Cadell, who we had on the last podcast. Um, it's completely snow and ice <laughs> at, at the time. Dude, Mount so Washington's bonkers. Yep, yep. Well, I was, I was actually, um, I was talking to somebody who might come with us, and I said, you need to make sure that you have spikes. I said, if you come, we, you are going to need spikes on your, on your shoes. I mean, yet you have to be prepared for those conditions. So yeah, it's. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I I wasn't expecting it this early in the season, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, even uh, there's there was snow and ice above, I want to say above 38 in Vermont too. Yeah, so. we're doing we're doing the Osceolas, so yeah, so it should be um should be pretty funky at the top. I'm looking forward to it, and um as I told you, I've also been surfing. Um, I'm buying some winter surfing gear, and yeah, I and and I was I, I was at the beach today. And I'm so I'm gonna make this jump into winter surfing, and and I do live in New Hampshire, so I'm surfing either in New Hampshire or um, in Salisbury, Mass. Those are my two spots that I surf, and uh, you know I have a killer wetsuit, and you know it's hooded and booties and and gloves, and I mean all sorts of stuff. But at the beach in the winter is one of my favorite places. Like it's just my absolute favorite place in the world because nobody's there it's just kind of it's just kind of wild and the other thing is i don't know if i told you this um i've been surfing with my my 12 year old mave she loves it and she wants to winter surf and i'm a little bit nervous about it as a as a parent but she wants to do it um so i'm gonna buy the equipment she's gonna have she's gonna have it with me and we're just gonna have to see how it plays out and when we when we were Putting those okay. hoods on with the two of your, like your hair, both of you. Oh, that's got to be the worst. Those hoods <laughs> not on that bad. It goes, it goes right, it goes right over your, it goes right over your, your head. It's yeah, not but a, your, but your hair is like, like it's tight enough, right? That it must pull on your hair. Um, you just do, just do a braid or something in the back. It's not, it's just like wearing a hat. It's not that big of a deal. Really? I mean, that's, that's the least of my, that's the least of my worries. The trick we have to figure out is getting out of the you can't you have to get out of the water before you're too cold you yeah. can't be cold in the water or else you're going to have an issue um you try not to get your face wet um 
And then you have to get from the beach to your car and undressed in, in the car really fast. So it kind of reminds me of like a, a transition in a triathlon. You just have, have to. You, have you seen dry robes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. But I don't yeah. even know that I'd have time to do that. I mean, like, I know people that carry shovels in the back of their car so they can shovel out a parking spot. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. you know, but we're going to start slow. Um, we're we're surfing, you know, we're surfing at low tide. Um, I, right now, the, I mean, I was just at the beach today. It's, it's chilly outside, but the water's still warm. Um, and, you know, we'll just start on slow days and just see, see how it works out. Um, who knows? But, but she loves it. She absolutely loves surfing. So. Because, because you live so far north, right? The Gulf Stream doesn't get up to you guys until like October, like really until October, right? September, um, October. So one of my surfing friends, I'm not this kind of smart, but he was, because there was one day that we were surfing over the summer and the water was in the 40s. Yeah. It was so cold. And he was explaining to me, um, if anybody knows this, please message us and we'll, <laughs> but winds coming in from, I think the West make it colder. I can't remember, but he was explaining when the, when this does this and this does that, that controls the water temp. Um, I'm not that kind of smart yet. I mean, you know, talk to me, you know, maybe, you know, a season, a season into doing this solidly and I'll be able to tell you, but but yeah, I mean, there was one day during the summer and she, she was surfing, um, and I was watching her. I, so I just had a, you know, I just had a bathing suit on. I didn't have a wetsuit on. I got in the water and was absolutely numb. I mean, it was, it was brutal, but then, but then I was there last week and it was actually, we were warm, you know, it was actually, I had on my wetsuit and I was sweating. Um, so, um. So, yeah, so it, that's the type of thing. And even, you know, one of my doctors said to me, he's like, Meg, he's like, surfing is probably the best thing you could do right now for your recovery, especially with my, you know, with the dorsiflexion in my ankles, yeah. the balance, the mobility. Um, and it's interesting because it, it's what you were talking about, 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 go, about go, you know, plowing down a mountain, right? I also am am hesitant to 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 whip down a mountain on you know running or on a bike because I don't want to fall and that's in my head because I'm not 20 years old anymore. In the water though, I have no fear of falling. And when I so when I wipe out off my off my surfboard, I'm completely relaxed. And it was interesting because when I started surfing again at the beginning of the summer. I was nervous to fall. And then I took a few wipeouts and I was like, oh, this isn't bad. It doesn't even hurt. <laughs> I mean, it can, but you know, I'm just, the main thing I have to remember is I just protect my face from my fin. That's the, that's the big one. You don't want to get, you don't want to get hit with your fin. Um, but my body is so, um, agile that when I wipe out, it just, I just fly. <laughs> it's like, a, I just, you know, fly off the board and, and fall and get back up and it hasn't, you know, hasn't been an issue. So. Yeah, I could see that being really good for the proprioception and like the mm -hmm. dorsiflexion. It's like the the it's like balance ball training, but enjoyable. Like you're, yeah. you're, getting, you're getting something more out of it than just sitting there trying to like focus on a balance ball or a pillow right. or whatever else. But yeah. And and I think everybody has. I mean, well, maybe everybody doesn't, but 
you know, everybody has a place that they're drawn to. For me, if you told me like you have to choose one terrain and you have to stay there for the rest of your life, like what is, and for me, it would be, it would be the ocean. I love the ocean. I love the waves. I mean, and the, the reason I like living in New Hampshire is because we have both. Like I can drive 30 minutes, 30 minutes to the east and, and hit the shore and I can drive an hour north and, and be in the mountains. I'm in, I'm in a really sweet spot. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'd say ocean number one, mountains number two. Yeah, I could, I could go the rest of my life without being on a beach again. Wouldn't, wouldn't phase me at all. Wouldn't, hmm. wouldn't shed a tear, Megan, if you told me I can't ever go to the beach again, I'd be like, okay. And that's so ironic that you, like, you're, your disdain for the water considering that you were in the navy but maybe that explains dude so i i legit so here's interesting i legit loved going on cruises i loved being out at sea i do not like the beach there's a difference Mm. yeah yeah that's true Um, but then also your time in the pool too hate being as a kid yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't i don't get garner any pleasure from swimming yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about when I had to train on a track. Yeah, um, just even this, yep. even the smell. You know the 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 way the track smells. So good. Yeah. See, and I it it kind of that's not a fresh mondo rubber. So good. <sighs> yeah, I don't I don't feel that way. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. I think it's just because too much too much time there too yeah, too much I time there over the course of my life, but. Um, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to try this. I'm doing it with my kid. Um That's I I think that's the piece that makes me nervous because it's I when I'm when I'm in the ocean with, you know, with my kids, I always have my radar out for them too. I'm I'm definitely um and it's but she's she's going to have to figure out how to get from the, how to get from the car to the ocean and from the ocean to the car. And, you know, we'll, and I'm, you know, she's 12 years old. She's going to figure this out. If she loves it, she'll do it. So, and she does so far. Did did I ever tell you the first time she went surfing? Did I ever tell you that story? So I got her, I got her a lesson. I got her a lesson down at Hampton beach and we got there and I actually said to her, I was like, dang, I wish I brought my paddleboard because the, the ocean was just flat. Like, and that's the ideal day that you want a surf lesson, like nice, nice rollers like that, flat, low tide. And a storm came in within the hour that we were there. And it, the ocean looked like a washing machine. The last, I mean, by the time, and they actually cut the surf lesson short because it got so dangerous. And one of the, the kids were getting pounded. I mean, it looked like, you know, when a shark, you know, when a shark eats a seal and you see it being thrown up in the air, that's what these kids look like. They just were flying all over the place. One kid got hit in the face with a surfboard, had a bloody nose. And I'm on the shore going, oh, my God, she's going to hate surfing. Oh, my God, she's going to hate it. She's going to. Oh, my God. I just I wanted her to love it so much. And she got out of the water and she's like, this is awesome. I was like, God. she loved it. She awesome. loved it. And so everybody left and we ended up staying at the beach. She said, can we just stay and body surf and stuff? And I said, absolutely. So we stayed, we were in the water for like another 45 minutes. And then the, the, the riptide got so strong. I actually, and, and again, the waves were picking up the waves were I think four feet by the time 
by the time we left. And uh, I was like, okay, I think it's, we, we got to go, <laughs> we got to go in now. I was actually getting a little nervous, you know, with, with her. So um, yeah. And when that, when that other girl got the bloody nose and got hit in the face, I was just so afraid Maeve was going to hate it. And Hampton Beach, the Jersey yep. Shore of New England. Exactly right. But you know what's interesting is they're totally gentrifying it right now. I've been arrested and, at the beach. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, we don't. That's what you. So now you know why I don't go there like during the summer to hang out at the beach. Right. I don't like. No, it's not going to happen. I but I'll go there in the winter because the wall is the spot. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The wall's the surfing spot. Um, cause you can just go, you know, you park your car right at the wall, go down the stairs. There's really no beach, um, just rocks and stuff. And, uh, it's quick, quick, get in quick, get out. But yeah, the wall is the spot. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The wall's the surfing spot. Um, cause you can just go, you know, you park your car right at the wall, go down the stairs. There's really no beach, um, just rocks and stuff. And, uh, it's quick, quick, get in quick, get out. But yeah, it's, uh, oh God, they had, yeah, the, the, the debauchery that goes on Dude. down at, the, it's a good crazy. like I said, I got arrested. I wasn't the only person that got arrested. What'd you night. get arrested for? A minor possession of alcohol. Oh, okay. And, All right. Uh, possession of paraphernalia. Okay. Cause I was going to say there's lots of, there's lots of fighting down there and the cops, you know, I'm a paramedic, so I hear all this stuff. I don't work in that town, but, um, well, there's lots of warnings because I guess people plan to meet up on the beach and they plan like big fights yeah. at night. And like, so everybody meets down there for like, I don't know, that's, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, so there's, I don't go down there during the summer. Um, but but nobody's, I was down there today. Nobody's down there. All the shops are closing. Um, I just got, a, I just got a tick ticket and sent on my way after being arrested. Cause I was so, I was so cordial and polite to the cop that he was like, uh, just write him a fine. Yeah. Yeah. They just probably didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. It was <laughs> awesome. I was like, how am I going to end up here at court for like out of state? This is like, yeah. So what's your next, what's your next race? I don't know. That's okay. So you, so you, so in regard to training specificity, I got it again. Um, in regard to training specificity, you just get to play for a while. I get you just to get play, to go outside and have fun. I get to play until, until lottery season yeah. opens. So yeah, I'll know hard rock opens October 24th. I don't know when Western States is usually November ish. Mm-hmm. And both of them, I think, usually first week of December, I should know about those. And then um, UTMB, I'm in the, the pre-lottery, whatever. So I'm already registered for that. And that I don't think you know till January. But I'll mm-hmm. go right. at least the first two races. Josh is convinced I'm getting into Western States this year. Yeah. And for, for those who don't know Sean, Sean, you are the, you have the shitty, I don't believe in luck. You have the shittiest luck out of anybody I've ever known. And like, you just don't get, like, if you're in a drawing for something, if you're in a lottery, you just yeah. don't, you, yeah, you just don't get picked. Yeah. I've never, um, been, I've never been picked for any lottery that I've ever been in for. A race. <laughs> it's, so, okay. Let's, let's hope Josh is right. But, you know, I think 
it's it's so it's important it's important for training to have fun it's i think it's just hard for me right now to i want to train um i cannot so i have to just accept it and and i'm gonna have fun like i said i'm gonna be in the whites i'll be on the water i'm riding my bike all the time um meh. it it is what it is and i've um i've put on i've put on some weight which is great i lost a ton of muscle weight um through all the surgeries um so that's nice putting on that muscle weight again and just getting stronger so we shall see yeah i'm excited to to fuck around for a little while and just mess around on the bike, go out on some casual runs with mm-hmm. some buddies. Um, I mean, not that like when you're training anyways, like even when you're training specifically for stuff, like you can you go out on casual runs, but like, I don't have like, I don't have to do like, well, Wednesday speed work day and I have to do like this and I can't run with so-and-so because they're a not going to be fast enough to hang with me or they're not going to want to do that or whatever or i'm like so having the freedom to be like it's tuesday what do you want to do do you want to go for like like a 10 mile run okay let's do that like that's kind of a nice thing a lot of people complain about taper before races i have never ever felt that well first i don't i've never done a big taper i'm not a i'm not a believer in in big tapers at least for me um but I always appreciated like the week before a race when I didn't have to do all the long runs because I had so much time. I could like spend time with my family. I could do stuff with my kids. I could get chores done. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it never, it, I never had an issue, you know, with, uh, uh I don't like with, taper. Uh, I yeah. Get, and I, I, I get, like it because I'm ready. Yeah. I, and I, my taper is shorter than, I mean, some people do like for ultras do like a full three week taper. I'm like, a, Oh no two two and a half week taper yeah that's yeah um because otherwise i just but like for me the taper it's like always like it's like every little naggle like Mm -hmm. comes comes up and i'm like it hurts this hurts i'm dying this yeah like i like before before the race like i was like oh i have tendonitis in my knee now and i Mm -hmm. legitimately like yeah like my my knee tendon was like i i like moved my knee right so like I mean, my knees are shot anyways, but whatever. Like, I moved my kneecap, and I could feel it, like, grind across, like, my bones. I could feel it. Like, That's <laughs> gross. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, and then, you know, like, my, my hips do that. When I, if if I do, like, flutter kicks, or if I yeah. lift my legs up like that, my, it goes, thump, thump. It's, yeah. it's really gross. It's disgusting. Like, you can audibly hear it. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that was like, and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And my, the tendon, the tendon, like from my quad to like my knee, I was like, just see, that's, yeah, yeah that's why I can't t- taper too long because it starts. To, I'm with you. I do, I do two weeks and then a week prior, I just like move my legs. You know, I go on short runs, you know, just, just but, keep it but, easy. But for me, at that point, a lot of times it's just like getting out for like a four mile run. You're like, "What am I even doing? This is..." I know it takes you longer to get dressed. (laughs) Just, I just want to like sleep instead. And honestly, the the week before the race, and actually the two weeks before the race, I had I had so much stuff between work and the start of school, Mm -hmm. and trying to get my gear together for the race and get everything square. It was 
was just as busy as probably my peak week of training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way it fell, yeah. I was I was super slammed. Yeah. Um, yeah well, they, now you get to play. Yeah. Well, if you wanted, if you want to join us in the whites, you're welcome to. I'll let you know. Absolutely. I don't know how you are. I don't know how you are about winter, uh, winter climbing, but looks like it's going to be. But it's the whites, so you just we. I don't know. Whenever I mean, it's all the hiking I've been doing there is legit just fun. I don't care about pace. I don't care about. I don't care about anything. I just go and hike and have fun. I'll be uh I'll be mountain biking in Vermont Columbus Day weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. It'll probably be the one of the last downhill days of the year. Maybe I'll get out. Maybe I'll take a, a, a three day or four day week and try and get out to Highland and do some other stuff. But yeah. we'll see. If I, if well, I crash my bike and break my ribs now, it doesn't matter. Well, just don't die. We can't have That's we a, can't have both of us just just <laughs> <laughs> we can't both be half dead. Well, so, I mean, it'd be hard to have a podcast with just you talking to yourself. I wonder if I could do. I bet I could. I, I bet I could. Bill Bird does a morning podcast. It's I think it's this. I think it's called the Monday Morning Podcast. But Bill Bird can just fucking rant. Huh. For a short, I think I could. I don't think that hour. I'd want to, because the intention of this podcast and is we want to have conversations like like we would if we were outside together yeah. right if we were hiking or running because there's no small talk there's um it's just it's just real so when 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 you and I are on here doing this I don't know if if people realize like a lot of times we'll tend to talk before the podcast and then we'll go wait a minute stop stop let's just save it for the podcast and so this is this is us just just being us. This is what this is what it's like, you know. I wanted to, I wanted to start it early today. I got vetoed out of some things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I this this podcast is it definitely can get in, inappropriate, but um, missed missed opportunity, Megan. <laughs> I have to have to maintain my reputation. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> all right, so. In closing, um, those of you who have um, who have followed us, um, liked us on social media, thank you. The most important thing you can do for us is wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever medium you're using, um, just follow us. That's all you need to do. And if by chance you wanted to leave us a review, that's awesome too. You don't really have to do that unless you want to, but the but following us has it has a huge impact and we've seen a growth in the downloads and the numbers for the podcast which is amazing because we're just who the fuck wants to listen to us megan apparently 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 people do <laughs> so so thank you thank you to everybody and thank you for all the feedback um that we've gotten and to take us out our song today Okay, I it is actually my choice today, and believe it or not, it's a Dropkick Murphys song. And for those of us, for those who know um, both me and Sean, Dropkick Murphys is definitely like one of your favorite bands. Um, I I mean I like them, but they're your they're your people, if that makes sense. But with that said, the other day um, 
I heard this song and it's called Two Sixes Upside Down and it blew my mind. I love this song. So, and I learned that it's Woody Guthrie's lyrics. I am a big Woody Guthrie fan. And I think, gosh, starting in, I think you, oh, don't quote me on this. I think it was in the early 2000s. Um, the Guthrie family um, opened up Woody's archives to select musicians. And for for those of you who aren't familiar with Woody Guthrie, he um, he was really just a, an amazing writer. And most of his art, and I say art, he did a lot of drawings, his lyrics. He just did them on like napkins or little scraps of paper. And he had so many so many things that that were unpublished and his his lyrics are genius anyway so the family opened up um Woody's lyrics to to certain artists and said here you can take 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 what you like and put it to music and so that's been happening for you know 20 plus years and the Dropkick Murphys just recorded um these lyrics which were which were Woody Guthrie's so I hope everybody likes the song as much as I do they are putting out a, a full album yep. of of his um, of Woody Guthrie's Woody Guthrie's work, and um, it's I can't wait. When's it going to yeah. be released? Is it mid October October tenth, I believe. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm really this eager machine, to hear it. This machine kills fascists, which well, is what was yes. on Woody Guthrie's acoustic guitar. He had a bumper sticker that said that, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's uh, they've taken different snippets. And uh, essentially composed full songs around them. Mm -hmm. It's uh, an, an entire acoustic album. I believe they're playing shows at Mohegan Sun and in Rhode Island at the, it might be at the Providence Civic Center in Rhode Island, mm -hmm. where they're actually doing the whole album acoustic. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the unfortunate thing, like, I, I think All I was right, going to look that up. Offline was that uh, Al Bar has not done a lot on this album with the band. Al Bar's mom, unfortunately, is uh, very ill right now, and Al's the other singer for the band. And so, mm -hmm. you know, wish, wish, wish her well, wish him well. Um, I would love to see him back touring with the the Dropkicks. And, uh, and the and their talent and Woody's talent combined uh, is just like I felt like my head was going to explode when I heard this song and the. The, there's a lot about Woody Guthrie more than this land is your land. Um, the the piece that really speaks to my heart about Woody Guthrie is when Woody was very young. Um, I think he was. So he died at age 55. And I believe in his 40s, um, he was diagnosed with um, Huntington's disease. So he was committed in a hospital and essentially died. And this disease is a really brutal disease and your nerves um, degenerate and you essentially lose your mind and all bodily functions in a very slow manner. And Woody Guthrie was literally a traveling musician. He did not stay in one place. He was, you know, just traveled, um, you know, rode everywhere, play, you know, played everywhere. He did not sit still. And for this man to be committed to a hospital, you know, for the remaining years of his life is just absolutely heartbreaking and to, you know, die in such a manner. However, he continued writing and a lot of these 
a lot of these lyrics that are, you know, are being put, um, are being put to song by many, many musicians um, came from this period in his life where he, he was writing um, essentially while he was dying a very slow and painful death. So um, awesome job by the Dropkick Murphys. Um, congratulations, Sean, um, on your um, on your 100 mile finish. Thanks, and- Megan. Good luck to you in winter surfing. That sounds fucking <laughs> miserable. <laughs> well, I, the the our ideas of fun um, are not normal. So let's just go with uh, let let your freak flag fly and own it, right? And if you don't like Johnny Cash, fuck you. There you go. <laughs> Catch you later, Sean. Bye. It's a long old time in a hard rock jail It's a long old time gone by It's a long old time I've laid in jail And I still got 99 You see, I set myself in a gambling game And I couldn't half play my hand I was thinking about that woman I loved Run away with another man Run away with another man, run away with another man I was thinking about that woman I loved, run away with another man The cards come round the table, Lord, I had such a worried mind My stack of gold I wasted away, and I lost about 99 I lost about 99 Boys, I got me a big 44 I was thinking about that woman I loved that I'd never see no more That I'd never see no more That I'd never see no more I was thinking about that woman I loved that I'd never see no more Upside down